This morning's scripture reading comes from Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 22. It can be found starting on page 528 in the Bible under your seat. Proverbs 2, 1 through 22. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the evil way. For men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of righteousness, or of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. It's green. Okay, yeah, it's on. (laughs) Sometimes they hand it to you, it's already turned on, and it's just muted in the back. Sometimes you don't look at it. (laughs) So join me. Join me as I pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, that you have given your only Son to pay the ransom to satisfy your wrath at our sin, that you have poured out your Holy Spirit, that we might walk in your ways as one body in you. Lord, help us this morning to hear your word. Help me to speak, that we might see the delights and the beauty of your wisdom. Come now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So we live in what can be a very perplexing world. 
where we have lots of options, we have lots of voices that are competing for our attention, that are telling us what it is to live a good life, what, it, what we need to do in order to be happy, what we need to do in order to prosper. Lots of things calling out promising joy and life and happiness and health and prosperity and all kinds of good things. And a lot of those voices that are calling out to us every day, that are bouncing around our Facebook feeds or our Twitter feeds, if you're a Twitterer, um, that, are, that are bouncing off our TV screens, a lot of those things are looking good. And behind that facade of goodness is death and destruction. And at the same time we're hearing those voices, there's other voices that are calling out, that are promising good things, that are promising life and prosperity and health. And behind those things, behind those voices, there's life and prosperity and health and joy and even more than what they show on the face. And how... In the midst of that, and in the midst of challenges, the midst of, of, of death and destruction and disease and rebellion and evil, how do we make our way? How do we decide between the voice that sounds good and conceals death and the voice that sounds good And maybe a voice that doesn't sound so good, but nevertheless conceals true eternal life. How do we make those decisions? And how do we make them in the day to day? How do we make them on Monday morning and on Wednesday afternoon and on Saturday night and even Sunday morning? But how do we make them in all of our life? And so that is why we need to ask God for wisdom. That's why we need to seek out the wisdom of God so that we can make those choices, so we can choose those right ways. And in his word, God gives us the book of Proverbs to be a guide to understanding wisdoms. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what follows then is a whole book, a whole collection dedicated to showing us what wisdom is, 
and how to recognize and understand it and how to discern true from false. And this morning, we're going to be looking at chapters 1 through 9. So if you remember the last time I preached, there were six verses, and it took about 45 minutes. And so if you need to go get a pillow or a blanket, um, I promise not to be that long. This morning, we're going to look at Proverbs 1 through 9, which is the, which is the introduction to Proverbs. And then following that, Proverbs chapters 10 through 31 are the, are the, contain what it is that we usually think of when we think of a proverb. You know, a wise, witty saying that encapsulates some aspect of wisdom. And one of the first things we need to remember and to understand about Proverbs is that their observations and statements of principles of wisdom, they are not the direct promises. They are often not direct commandments. They are not statements that if A is true, then B will true in every possible conceivable situation. So some of you may know, may have memorized the proverb that says, if you train up a child in the way he will go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's something that's generally observably true. If children are well-trained and instructed, then for the most part, they will walk in that training and instruction. But they might not. Because their lives are more than just what they hear from us. They're more than just their training. They're the contexts of the temptations, of the challenges, of the struggles of their own sinful heart. But generally speaking, if you train them up in the way they will go, or they should go, then they will not depart from it. So they're observations, they're principles, but they are also God's word. Proverbs, even though so much of it stems from Solomon's observations of life around him, So much of it stems from a study of the lives of the community of the people of God. Some of it stems from observation of the natural world. It tells us to go and look at the ant and draw lessons from the ant. So we should be able to look at our world to see the things around us and see the ways in which that reflects the wisdom that God used in creating the world. And we should see the ways in which that speaks to us about how we live our own lives. So the lazy man is told, go look at the ant. Draw a lesson from an ant because he stores up his food in the winter. No, he doesn't. He stores up his food for the winter even though there's nobody standing there cracking a whip over him, telling him, hey, you ant, go get your food. This tiny creature just knows to do this. And yet in a different place in Proverbs, in a different proverb, it describes the lazy man, the sluggard, as one who sleeps during the harvest, who doesn't 
approach who doesn't understand the times and doesn't care about what is right to do or what is necessary to do. A person with all of the intellect and understanding and natural powers that God has given us is stupider than an ant. So Proverbs directs us to the world around us and says, look, God has created this world. There is wisdom in this world. Learn from it. It directs us to the paths of the people we see around us. We should be able to look out our window. We see in in Proverbs chapter 7, I I looked out my window and I saw a young man lacking sense walking down the street toward the house of the forbidden woman. We can observe the actions and the lives of people around us and draw lessons. And that's, that's what we see in Proverbs is this observation of the whole of God's world from which Solomon and other teachers have drawn lessons, have have drawn understanding about the nature of this life that we live. But it is more than just the observations of the wise. Because we know that all of Scripture has been breathed out by God and is useful for teaching and for rebuke and for encouragement, for training in righteousness. So these observations, these principles have been given to us. They've been collected by godly men. They've been taught by godly women so that we might understand the way we should go. And and just one of the the principles that we take from Proverbs chapter 1 Uh, verses uh, 5 and 6, and also before that, uh, verses 4, 5, and 6, is that that by, by examining these Proverbs, by comparing the things we see with the things that are said, by listening to the images in a proverb and thinking about What does that mean? How does that work? These are given to us to ponder so that we might grow and increase in wisdom. So that we might be able to discern our paths, to understand the times that we live in, to understand the ways that we we should go. And notice also that they're not just for the simple. They're not just for the person who's just starting out. These Proverbs are not just for the very young. This is not not a book that we only teach downstairs on Sunday morning or to the middle school students on Wednesday night. To those who are simple, who, who don't yet have the full experience of life that some of us do, that aren't as far along, It's good for them to hear and to understand and to start in this process of learning God's wisdom. But they are also for the wise. For those who are already far along the path of life. 
And anybody that I just looked at directly, I wasn't trying to imply that you're farther along than anybody else. It's just the way my head's moving. Um, The wise, if you are truly wise, then you will love wisdom. Then you will love instruction and you will seek it out and you will gain and increase and grow in even more wisdom. Proverbs are for for the foolish, for the simple, and for the wise as well. And I've been up here talking about wisdom for all this time. And what is wisdom? Well, as Dan mentioned, we've, been, we, we've just finished studying through the book of James. And one of the very first principles in the book of James that Dan pointed out is that life throws up constantly, throws up before us tests. Tests of prosperity, Things are going really well for me. Right now, I have everything I need. I'm not in want. So how then do I live? Do I worship God and honor him? Do I look for ways to use what he's given me to bless and to build up and to encourage people who are maybe not in that same position? It gives us tests of prosperity. It also gives us tests of adversity, as we all know. Disease, sickness, divorce, rejection, sin. So much of it throws up a test. Do I trust and obey God in the midst of this pain that I'm feeling that I don't think I deserve? Do I trust and obey God and love my neighbor who's piling all his grass clippings in my yard? who's letting his dog poop in my yard, whatever your neighbor's doing that you don't like, facing that disagreeable position or something so much worse. Do I continue to trust and obey God? In the face of that, we need wisdom. And the way we defined it when we were reading James was the ability to know and understand God's character And to apply the truth and his promises so as to live righteously. Wisdom, here in Proverbs, is first, or or at at first in the sense of most basically, the idea of, of skill and understanding. And that can be almost anything. One of the examples of skill that I marvel at is when we go deliver furniture with Love, Inc. And Troy knows exactly how to maneuver a couch to get it down a hallway, up a stairwell, into a, into a room, that there's, there's this amazing level of spatial wisdom that he has. And I hope you're not too embarrassed by that, but it's true. Um, or, or when I'm on, uh, when I go do the extreme build in June with my family and I'm working with my dad to, to, to cut and put up metal fascia around a, uh, around a gutter board. Like dad just understands the angles and how that needs to be bent just right so that it seals and doesn't look like there's a a seam in it. Um, 
how to, how to cut and move the metal so that it doesn't get crimped and leave a dent. Um, if those are, those are on, on one level, basic things. But on another level, they're kind of amazing when you're watching somebody do them and you don't know how. Um, Dad, Dad likes to say that everything's easy if you know how to do it and you have the right tools. Um, and, and I usually don't know how to do it. <laughs> but uh, so, so there's skill. Just that basic skill of understanding how to do something well is wisdom. There's also the sense of understanding how to work with other people. How to communicate with other people in such a way that they will do what you want. That also is a skill in wisdom. There were people in, uh, in ancient Greece who were called the sophists, which comes from the Greek word for wisdom. One of their particular skills, one of the things that they advertised and propounded was that we can tell you how to speak so that you can get people to do what you want. So that you can win your court case even so that you can win your court case by switching sides halfway through it and completely wheeling the jury around. That is skill. There's a wisdom in that. But the kind of wisdom that Proverbs is talking about is the kind of wisdom that understands righteousness and justice and equity. That understands how to speak to people in such a way to get them to do what you want given that what you want them to do is what is objectively and actually best for them in light of God's law. So there is a wise skill that you see in Proverbs of convincing people, persuading people to do what is right and just that is in their own way, that is in their own benefit. So it's the ability to know, to understand God's character, to apply the truth and his promises so as to live righteously and so as to encourage and strengthen others to live righteously. We heard some of that when we were in James chapter 3 and we heard how wisdom is pure. The wisdom from above, the godly wisdom is pure and sincere and peaceful. Wisdom that acts to build up the community. So wisdom in Proverbs is the skill to live in the way that God calls. And so we're reminded that true godly wisdom, the kind of wisdom that we need to live our lives in this world is the kind of wisdom that recognizes that we live in God's world, not our own. Because we face so many different challenges, which I'm just going to keep repeating. Um, so many different challenges, so many different trials. And it's very hard for us, especially in, in, in this world that we live in, it's very hard for us to look and observe and to draw the conclusion that the one who lives righteously will be blessed. 
it's very hard for us to look at what's around us and draw the conclusion that the one who rejects all the false promises of all the commercials that come on during a given NFL game will live a happy and joyful life and not go down to the dust of death. We live in a deceptive world. We live in a fallen world. As we know, as we so many of us have experienced. We live in a world like The Matrix, if you remember the movie The Matrix, where there are things happening behind and underneath the surface that we can't see. Good things and bad things. There are enemies trying to destroy us. And I'm not just paranoid. There are evil spiritual powers pervading the air of this world. There are evil physical, personal powers pervading this world. In in chapter 2 of Proverbs, looking at... uh, Starting in verse 12, he talks about, actually starting just above that, the wisdom, when we've pursued wisdom, that it will come into our heart, that knowledge will be pleasant to our souls, discretion will watch over us, and understanding will guard us. What will it guard us from? It will deliver us from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. We live in a world where there are men and women of perverted speech who are trying to draw us away from the paths that God has laid out for their own benefit, for their own power, for their own desires. They are trying to draw us away from God's law, from God's love, from God's mercy to walk after whatever it is they enjoy. And if you look a little bit further there, they rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Their ways are crooked and their paths are devious. And we encounter those voices every day. And sometimes they're blatantly and boldly evil and devious. And we can say, aha, that is evil. I'm not going after that. It's easy for us to look at what happened in Charlottesville yesterday and say, okay, there's a group of neo-Nazis and Ku Klux Klan members marching to protest against 
what they believe to be the expanding power of people who are not white. It's easy, to, it's easy for us to look at that and say, that is evil. I am not walking in that path. I am not standing with those people. That's easy. It's easy to see the guys with the swastikas and say, I'm not one of them. I am not with them. And for the record, as a church, we are not with them. But it's harder in your bedroom or wherever it happens to be that you have your laptop or your computer or your smartphone. It's harder to be by yourself on Reddit or some other discussion board website reading the words of the alt-right, reading the words of some really, really clever, really smooth-talking, sophisticated, in that very Greek sense of I can, say, I can say anything I want in such a way as to make you do what I want. Reading some sophisticated author who's planting seeds in you to say that someone's trying to take away your rights, your influence, your power, your privilege as a white person. It's easy to be by yourself reading those words and not see the hangman's noose with a black man hanging from it that are behind those words. Not see the car driving into a crowd of people who object to those words. It's easy to hear the words and to read them, and to take them in, and not realize that you're starting to stand with the guy with the swastika on his shoulder. We need wisdom to hear what's behind those words that are building us up in our perceived identity, whatever it is, to make us feel superior and better and stronger than those people who are not part of that identity. We need to hear God's words that every man, woman, and child we come across is created as much in his image as we are. That every man, woman, and child we come across is more valuable than we are. That they are treasured creations of God. Everyone, regardless of who they are. In Proverbs chapter 8, Verse 31. Wow. 
That was a great guess. In Proverbs 8, 31, Proverbs 8 is a, uh, a speech from wisdom herself. Wisdom herself. Talking about her benefits and her beauty and her goodness. And in 8.31, she talks about how she was with God. Starting a little bit before that, obviously. That she was with God at the very beginning, delighting in his world and in the children of men. True wisdom, true godly wisdom delights in the creation of God and especially in the personal creation of God. So that also means for people like me who have a little bit of a uh, hermetic, um, almost misanthropic uh, tendency, like I'd really rather be by myself in a lot of ways than be with people. Um, especially people I don't know. People that I don't know scare me. Um, So for people like that, like me, true wisdom delights in the children of men. True wisdom delights in other people and especially in seeing the workmanship of God brought out in those other people. And, and that doesn't mean that it's wrong that, you're, that, that you're, you're more energized, more built up when you're alone. You still need some time alone. But you need to be building in and delighting in God's people to truly walk in wisdom. So now I've gotten way off where I was going to go. <laughs> So dig in, pursue God's wisdom. And here's something else that I want us to see. I want to make sure we catch this in in all of chapters 1 through 9 and go home after this and read Proverbs 1 through 9 and read it tomorrow and it takes 29 minutes. Um, I've seen this on a computer, actually timed, 29 minutes. That's not me, that's somebody reading out loud slowly. So you can do this. Read chapters 1 through 9 today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, extrapolate. And and listen to its words. But one of the things that at the start of almost every one of these chapters, except for chapter 9 and chapter 6, it's a reminder, my son, this is chapter 5, for instance, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion, that your lips may guard knowledge. At the beginning of chapter 7, my son, keep, your wor- keep my words, treasure up my commandments with you, keep my commandments and live. Chapter 2, my son, if you receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments, hear these words, not just the words of Proverbs, but hear these words and treasure them and store them up in your mind and think about them. And youth and younger people, listen to your parents, to the wisdom that they have, that they give. Honor your parents, treasure their words and their understanding. 
and they're not going to be perfect. They're going to say things that you're going to hear that, and you're going to go, I, what? But mostly, their words to you are treasure, are gifts of life, and how much more? Throughout this section of Proverbs, he emphasizes the word of the parents. How much more, if we're to treasure parental words, should we treasure God's words? Because wisdom is always in the context of the creation and the plan and the mercy of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools hate righteousness and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the knowledge of God. If we're to treasure up and to obey and to hear our parents' words and heed them, how much more must we hear and obey and listen to the words of God and live in fear of God? And one of the things that's always been a puzzling puzzling thing to me, so I'm just going to throw a couple of thoughts out there about it because we're running low on time. But this, hear this from John Donne. This fear is an incohative, which means a beginning, a very kind of unformed start. This fear is incohative love. And this love is consummative fear. The love of God begins in fear and the fear of God ends in love. And that love can never end, for God is love. One of the things that has struck me as I've been studying this and trying to understand this idea of the fear of God is that fear of the Lord at its heart is obedience to what God has said because of who he is and because of his power. And one of the most important things that God has said is that we should love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so if we fear God, if we start with that obedience and trust what he says and pursue him with all our heart, that thing that started in fear that started if if I don't do this, then I'm in danger of hellfire, then I'm in danger of death, then I'm in danger of the grave. That he will judge and I will be caught up in that judgment and there will be no hope. That fear that wants to obey God so that we can live. If we pursue that fear and continue looking at who God is, then that fear will turn into love and treasure and delight and joy. Because the ultimate wisdom of God, the ultimate wisdom of God is Jesus Christ and his cross and his salvation. And if we truly pursue God's wisdom, if we truly make our hearts attentive to it, then we will find Jesus, the one who is 
and in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so that's where I want us to be as we listen to Proverbs, as we seek the wisdom of God. To be looking towards Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom says, come to me, you who are simple. All you who are simple, who lack understanding, who face this world and think, I don't know how to get through this. I don't know how to make these decisions. Wisdom says, come to me. God, in Isaiah chapter 54, maybe it's 55, says, come to me, you who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to him, for he has life. He has eternal life, all the life you could ever imagine, all the joy and delight you could ever desire. All the goods of this life are bound up in him. Fear the Lord. Cry out for wisdom. Turn your eyes on Jesus and come to him. Let's pray. The band can come up and we will worship him. Father, I thank you that... uh, that you have not left your words in my hands, in Dan's hands, in Josh's or Mike's or JP's. But you have given us your word. You have given us your spirit that we might hear and understand, that we might walk in your ways and receive your eternal life. Lord, incline our hearts your word, incline our ears to your word, and fill us with your spirit as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.